Welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, we're going to be diving into the North America International Championship results. We're going to be looking at a quick MetaShare study and what the heck happened at this event. We had a brief card spotlight on something that has quickly changed the way that the game has been played. We've got a hot topic about a disqualification in the top eight of NAIC. And we're going to finish off with the NAIC Fantasy Draft results won by yours truly. That's right, me. And I am your host, Drew. And with me, as always, is Justin Pokebruce. How are we doing, man? I'm doing great, man. Um, just got back from an eventful weekend uh, at NAIC. Um, yeah, Do we just want to go right into kind of how it went? Um, the floor is yours, sir. Take it, it away, yeah. Yeah, um, so I went to NAIC this weekend, um, didn't have the hottest run, I technically went undefeated, but I went 0-5, um, drop, I dropped after that point, uh, I took Gardevoir, um, a deck that I've been playing quite a bit, uh, naturally long games, but I felt like my speed was kind of good with it um, throughout testing and actually through the event, uh, even though I got a bunch of ties. Um, round one and two, after like some good back and forth, but just natural ties and long matches, um, I kind of ended up in that like average player speed forever going to tie on out bracket. I feel, um, and then that so there's just no. You're in the that, lost unfortunately. box bracket. Yeah, yeah, literally, like literally <laughs> in the lost box. I mean, even just other like I played normal decks like Lugia Mew and it was just like the players were average paced I only all my opponents were great I only had one or two slight issues where um, I did have to call a judge on one for an opponent's uh, pace of play but other than that everyone was really cool everyone was awesome um, outside of the, the the tournament run itself um, the weekend was amazing uh, I took my Wizards of the Coast cube we drafted twice on Saturday uh, once the second time was to like 2.30 in the morning, so I was exhausted. Um, and then finished off the weekend with doing the 2010 uh, tournament that Riley from Twitter uh, hosted. That was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, it was my first time playing in that format ever. I built a deck whenever I heard about it. Uh, played Hippowden Level X. You, you um, got on stream for that one too, yeah. I, I did, yeah. I'm supposed to be in there. Uh, Riley's YouTube video whenever it gets posted. Um, it was pretty awesome, actually. I, did, I lost that game, but um, I was able to use uh, on Level X's like crazy ability, which like shuffles all cards back into the deck. That's like on the board. Um, it's called Sand Reset. It's absolutely wild. Um, but I literally had to read every single card people was, were putting down and playing because I had no idea. Literally the first time I've ever played this format was whenever I sat down for round one. So um, nice. it was amazing. Um, and then, yeah, just you know, got home really late and went right back into uh, lovely old work. Um, so I'm already having the NAIC blues. Uh, I wish I was back there again already, but, you know, till next year. How are you doing, Drew? Oh, I'm good. I had a an absolute pleasure watching this event all weekend. You know, there was maybe one round that I can pick point out out of, out of all of them that were streamed, and that was specifically the Darkrai round. Um, but 
it was amazing. Like it was so sick to watch. And without further ado, we're just going to skip over what I did this weekend. We're going to go into the <laughs> North America International Championships review. There were 1,897 masters at this event. And what took home the whole thing? I'm not even going to let you finish it. It was Rapid Strike, Urshifu, <laughs> and Inteleon. I guess it's mostly Inteleon with it's- some Urshifu. But Cyrus Davis piloted this like an absolute master. She put on the perfect showing of how Rapid Strike or Shifu, Rapid Strike Box, whatever you want to call it, is played. Justin, what can you tell me about this list before I ramble about it? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a deck that a lot of people, I feel like, kind of took off their uh, their bingo cards to be able to t- potentially win the entire event. Um, we kind of talked about it in past episodes where we thought that um, the deck had kind of some slight inconsistencies, but uh, I think with the addition of Ionos for a little additional draw power, as well as something like Irida's, um, allowing you that extra search and setup... I think the the deck, and, and of course uh, the four seal stones as well, just to I mean, the deck's biggest problem was whiffing that card you needed for turn or for game, and uh, with the addition of Iono's, Irida, and those four seal stones, on top of already having the Octillery uh, to search out any rapid strike cards from your deck, um, I think that heavy search engine in this uh, that is now we're seeing in Cyrus's list um, allowed her to take the whole event by storm because, I mean, she was able to pilot amazingly i mean if you watch this her her stream or the finals between ian rob and cyrus uh it was absolutely amazing it was uh it was incredible back and forth for the first two games and of course the the inevitable uh blink and you miss it donk uh on the final game yes no this was uh i i think i've said it before but it was a master class in how this deck was intended to operate in this format and i don't see it slowing down anytime soon uh second place ian rob playing the Arceus, Draladon, Umbreon, very aggressive, Radiant Alakazam package. His deck is insane. I think it only got better with the addition of Iono, because you're playing four of them. Uh, But what can you tell me about this list, man? So in this list, um, it kind of feels like your your Pokemon counts, your streamlined Pokemon count, except for the addition of the new Spiritomb. Um, I think that's a really good and interesting addition in here, something I wouldn't have necessarily thought about, but it kind of makes sense as just an extra way to turn off Genesex in your Mew matchup, which you already have a good matchup against, but also to turn off things uh, like Luminion, um, you know, for people who are trying to set up in the early game. So just a, a, an interesting tech that could potentially help. Um, you know, the, like you said, the four count of Ionos is in there instead of the judges, so a little bit more um, disruptive then judge in my opinion just because judge is a great card but when you're shuffling the cards back in your deck your opponent has the ability to potentially draw back into those cards whereas iono forces them to put them on the bottom of their deck and they start from square one so even if somehow your opponent gets ahead of head on prizes from you or ahead of ahead on prize i can't talk today words are hard um yeah words are so hard sometimes uh, that Iono is just very strong to uh, put you back in a winning position. Also going very heavy on the Lost City. And the one inclusion I think is probably the weirdest inclusion in my opinion um, is the fact that Ian's playing that path, one copy of Path to the Peak. Um, just because your Ian's deck is relying on abilities so heavily itself. But I guess if you're already in a position where you don't need your abilities, um, it can be a very powerful card to shut your opponent down. Yeah, once you start pulverizing... 
it sometimes the path to the peak just gives them that that little chance to get back in because they can't attack with something with special energy but i don't think it's that important i think the path to the peak is the perfect lockout card and you're playing plenty of other stadiums to bounce it so you're not necessarily stuck behind it sometimes you're just setting up for arceus and path iono the whole time you, you you win games that way and i think that this deck was very poised to win it didn't see a whole lot of success coming into this big tournament but it's just aggro enough to catch everything by storm and i i can't say enough about the deck you and i are both big arc dura fans and you and i are both big rapid strike fans so we couldn't have asked for a better final uh at any capacity but the honorable mention of course is gonna go to alex shemansky and the united wings deck this was so sick to see on stream and then now that you get to see the list and take an actual perspective on it it's it's so simple like it's so easy to pilot something like this lost box is going to be a little bit hard but basically everything else in the format you're swinging into for weakness or you're going to have enough buildup to really trade out prizes very very well uh what do you have to say about this deck man i really like the fact that um the engine in here is something i don't you know, and wouldn't have thought of right off the bat in uh, in running that curly uh, uh, engine. So you're getting that refinement ability to be able to refinement away, uh, you know, some of those United Wings Pokemon as well as have a really good draw engine. But on top of that, we're also seeing uh, two Glades, two different Glades. We're seeing the Buddy Catch one to help Alex find his supporters, um, as well as the Fighting type one. So uh, just another good card to hit a weakness. Um, United Wings, I, I want to say one of its strengths, uh, or one of its strengths is, um, it's got really good weakness spread right now as far as dark type, uh, dark type weakness and lightning type weakness in Lugia. Um, but with Arceus being on the rise, I think that fighting type Glade is such a, a, a good call if you're already running that Curlia package to swing another matchup in your favor, uh, due to weakness. So really cool to add there, and then as well as um, the two squawk ability is awesome. I mean, obviously you only want to use it on your first turn, but what way to guarantee you get it on your first turn and and you don't prize it by running two? Um, just having that really that aggressive turn one, discard your hand and draw six um, is very powerful. Um, and then to get rid of that later on, we also see that Alex is running the collapse stadium, so they can get those things off the board whenever he needs to. Um, just a, a really all-around cool list. I, I'm a big fan of this. Um, and also, of course, running the Dittos. Uh, I feel like it would be kind of a, a a nightmare if you were to hit a bunch of Lost Box. But I think Alex's mindset was going, went in, he went into this going, I'm going to take an auto-loss to Lost Box, but if I just win everything else, um, and he had the mindset that I didn't, uh, Lost Box and Gardevoirs are going to be stuck in the Lost tie zone, um, so if he can just get out of that, then he's good to go. And that's pretty much what happened. I mean, he was on a, a tear up until later on in day two where he hit a lost box and then also Cyrus with the um, the Urshifu and Teleon deck back-to-back, -back, which are just both horrible matchups for this deck, unfortunately. Yeah, I think this one is sick. Um, I really can't take anything away from Alex here. Yeah, I've really been keen on that Luminous Energy Radiant Charizard build, but I think that this, with that Fighting Gallade um, that does X amount of damage for every V Pokemon that's in play, just counters Arceus so much better. Uh, it's, it's a really good time to 
play the Pokemon TCG right now, and Alex, a very, very well-renowned player, playing something that most people kind of wrote off as a very competitive 60, um, just proves that it's a good format, and that's my biggest takeaway from this. Um, but Did, I was... Yeah, I was right. going to say, did you see your boy was also in there? Uh, we didn't even put that up for honorable mention. Yes. The Claude Sire Eradicate deck. Yep. That was up there for sure. It's very, very exciting. You know, we've seen Radicate decks uh, <laughs> in the past be very successful, and it's very funny that the Pokemon Go one gets the uh, exact same uh, attack, if you will, and now it has all the dark support behind it being able to, you know, poison your opponent's pokemon take prizes then attack for 200 and not be able to attack next turn with claude is really cool and zoroark package being able to swap in and out of those uh, exs for a short amount of time is actually a very cool perk so yeah it's a that was a very cool deck um you know we talked about it in our patreon video then the introductory to uh paldea and it's sick to see people playing that as well yeah, yeah. I just before we moved on to the next thing, I wanted to throw that in there because we didn't even put it in the notes. No, nope. um, they said Claude Sire, your boy. Yeah, no, he is my guy. No, the honorable mentions would go on for days if we didn't just kind of confine it down to one. And obviously, Alex takes that spot this week. But when we're talking about the format, I guess we can kind of expand about it, uh, expand on it just a little bit in the MetaShare study. Uh, you know, last MetaShare study, Arctura nowhere to be found uh you know urshifu and teleon was hovering around tier three lost zone box and gardevoir were the clear favorite and they both got a whole lot of new cards to increase increase their effectiveness but what happened why you know why didn't we see so much of that in top cut why wasn't it just full of gardevoir mirrors well i i kind of touched on it with my naic run i i feel like um Gardevoir is, in theory, like one of the strongest decks, but it, it, it's an, even if you're a fast player, it just has naturally long games. Um, in my case, especially whenever your opponent doesn't know when they're in a losing position and know when to scoop, and you so you still play it out to win game one. Um, so I think because of it being naturally long games, as, as well as Lost Box nowadays being naturally long games, um, I feel a lot of those got in the tie brackets, which kind of kept them a little further. That, and then also, even though there wasn't a lot of new archetypes that came out of how they evolved, um, we do see the one Chen Pao here in 12th place. Um, I just think a lot of the decks actually just got a lot more streamlined with strong, stronger cards or stronger additions. And not, not necessarily even like game changing as far as like, uh, half the deck change i think it's more it was or it was most decks got gained like one or two cards that made their deck that much more efficient um and so that's why i think we're seeing a lot of like these same decks that we've seen and it's just not an absolute flood of nothing but gardevoir because gardevoir was hyped to be the like you know everyone was like oh you're gonna see seven out of the top eight and that's not the case here no i mean you do see five Gardevoir in top 16. It does hold the majority MetaShare in top 16 at NAIC. Um, but when you look at the diversity, just going down the list, first place, Rapid Strike Box, second place, Arctura Umbreon, third, fourth place, Gardevoir, fifth place, Lost Box Greninja Variety, uh, sixth place, you have Arceus Umbreon, Flying Pikachu, Slacking V, uh, 
you know, seventh place, you've got Christian Bella, Christian Labella playing the Ark, Duraladon, Umbreon, Panic Mask build. Justin Brothers sneaking in there with the single strike Lugia, if I'm not mistaken. You know. Yep. Uh, the Gardevoir taking ninth. You've got one solo Fusion Mew up here in top 16 at 10th place. And then 11th, you've got your Greninja Lost Box variety and Owen Rhodes being the highest placing new archetype coming out in this set with Chen Pao Bax Caliber. Very, very cool. 13th, you've got your Lost Box again. 14th, that consistent Arctina for Iono and for Judge tends to be pretty consistent. And 15th place and 16th both finishing off with Gardevoir. So it's not that Gardevoir wasn't dominant here, but I think that the decks that ended up being successful and in the finals are high HP, give up three prizes, and if you take one VMAX knockout, you're getting Iono to three resources the rest of the game. So it's a little bit of a trap, but it's a really cool field that we're in. But what I didn't see at all in these infographics is any freaking Meowscarada, man. I know <laughs> it was a joke on Twitter, but I was very much so looking forward to somebody playing it on stream somewhere. I I like the meme, but I'm glad it stayed a meme. I'll I'll show you all <laughs> number number one cat <laughs> player coming at you. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to say about the MetaShare study before we uh, dive into something else? Kinda, yeah. Um, I how you pointed out the one the one fusion strike Mew. Um, one of the things was uh, Spirit Tomb. I know a lot of people have kind of written it off like, oh, it's not that great of a card, but Spirit Tomb was out in force. Um, I personally played one in my list uh, spe- specifically for the Mew matchup and the early game Lugia matchup in case they needed to use like a Luminion or something like that. Um, it stopped them from setting up turn one or turn two. Um, but I know everyone around me was also playing Spirit Tombs pretty much every round. Um, and even though the Fusion Mew technically has a way around it with the um, the Fusion Strike energies, that's just causing them to kind of spread their Fusion energies more uh, than they you know would normally want to because now they're having to commit an energy attachment to uh, Genesect just to be able to potentially draw some more cards. So I think that is what kept those Mews down a little bit. Like, yes, they had a way to get around it, but was it the right play uh, for them to use those resources for that no not at all and so i think that's what kept more muse out of there that and then i honestly don't know how many drapions were played in these uh top decks but there was a lot of that rcs umbreon uh duraludon running around and that is also another deck that can keep those muse down very easily so um it was not muse tournament to say the least no definitely not i think spirit tomb and drapion being very heavy in the field because no one wants to lose to Mew, and it's very easy to tech for it with a one card addition um just proved to be very very troublesome although block slider seems to be a really good staple in um mew right now and for those who don't know that's the uh ice cube that does the snipe damage 40 times the amount of fusion strike energy in play so um you know not a terrible time to be fusion mew but this event definitely was not it yeah yeah but other than that um i mean I, I'm really liking the top 16. Um, it just shows that we have a really diverse meta right now that any of these decks can be really good. Um, and that's what I like. This is the type of Pokemon uh, that I like is whenever 
You can pick up a deck, and as long as you're well-versed in it, you can do well with it. Yes, and that's why I will win with Meowskarata. Um, we're going to move on to the card spotlight <laughs> and take a small tangent off of NAIC, but we did pick this card because of its play in NAIC. And uh, we picked a new supporter, Iono. Each player shuffles their hand and puts it at the bottom of their deck. If either player puts any cards at the bottom of their deck this way, each player draws a card for each of their remaining prize cards. Plenty of disruption allows players who haven't taken very many prize cards to draw into resources to potentially crawl back into the game, and it makes it very, very fun to play those VMAX cards that were probably never supposed to be worth three prizes and have that much HP, but I digress. This is a great supporter right now. Just some of your thoughts. I, I'm a huge fan of this this card. I, I love the fact that um, not only is it like reminiscent of N and Marnie, uh, but the fact of it's it it really is a comeback mechanic card to say the least. And it's better than Roxanne for that reason, because uh, it, it, Roxanne is also a comeback mechanic card, but it can only be used after a certain point of the game. This can be used at any point in the game. I mean, turn if you're going second, you can literally use this if you have no other card, no other supporter than Iono in your hand and still set up, but you could also disrupt your opponent late game if they've taken been too aggressive, taken too many prizes on you, and you go Iono down to one or two, and they just get locked out of the game at that point because they're they're top-decking. Um, I, I think this card is an absolute staple in pretty much any any deck. Um, there was a reason why when N was in format that it was you know a staple in every single deck uh, because it really does challenge your, yourself and your opponent to... Uh, prize map a little bit more as well as just um, not go overly aggressive if you don't need to like it's not like a game winning aggressive state because uh, you there has been I've I've had it I'm sure you have there's been multiple times where you're like I'm gonna win this game and all of a sudden you're you take a big knockout and your your opponent ionizes you to two and you're like I I lose at this point because I cannot draw and I have nothing to go <laughs> or nothing to do so yeah that uh, and that's great card. That's its primary intention. It just punishes an overextension, and I think that's really cool. It forces more um, analytical play, you know, getting rid of the correct resources that you don't want to draw back into, you know, making sure the cards that are going on the bottom of the deck after each Iono, it just uh, proves to be a more thoughtful game, and it prevents a lot of thoughtless play. Exactly, and then, and then it, it's that mixed with the if you are stuck turn one, it's you're you're not stuck anymore, like... Like if you had a Roxanne in hand or something like that. So that's why I'm a big fan of this card. It's it's very versatile. Yep, four count and everything from now on. You heard it here first on PCS. Uh, you can't have a six count? No, you can't have a six count, but you can <laughs> pal pad. <laughs> um, the hot topic of the week, uh, Toby Clark did get DQ'd out of top eight because of two of his three Iono in his deck uh, were unfortunately deemed as marked cards they said that this uh, ruling wouldn't have been as severe if they weren't two of the same supporter uh, but Justin I have images of these cards that are quote unquote marked in front of us um, I can't tell the difference between these marked cards quote unquote and uh, any other card uh, you know they are in dragon shields i do need to make that abundantly clear uh, but getting dq'd at a top eight for something this minuscule seems kind of rough yeah i mean looking at these images um you know if it were at quick glance shuffling through the deck i would not have even 
notice these. I'm sure I've got multiple decks right now in a deck box or my my case that probably look honestly just like this, and it's kind of very unfortunate um, for those that haven't seen the images. Uh, like the way it looks, the top left corner, it looks like the you could see where the card is inside of the sleeve, like it almost like it got like pressed too hard or from shuffling got some like weird bend around the top of the card inside of the sleeve itself. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's something you see after a ton of games with sleeves anyways. Um, so I really do think, unfortunately for Toby, this was kind of a, a victim of circumstance uh, with these sleeves. And I know it's a very high-stakes situation, a very high-stakes field. But it is, I, I really do think it was um, really not the right call. I think, if anything, he maybe should have gotten, like, a game loss uh, or something going into top eight. But I think to be fully DQ'd for something that literally looks like natural wear and tear on sleeves um, is just, uh, I feel like it's kind of a bad call. But I do get it from the judge perspectives. And, and that kind of lends us into another conversation of um, from Toby's tweet saying that it was severe because it was these specific cards and not two other of the same cards which who knows maybe an Iona is not like a Iona is a great card we just sat here and talked about it but at the same time like wouldn't a double turbos also be if it was two double turbos those are also great cards if it's two uh, of his you know main Pokemon those are also great cards so it's like how can you justify or how can judges justify by saying they're impactful cards whenever other cards in the deck are also just as impactful. Yeah, just seems like a whack and unbalanced call. Um, I'd really like to see them um, reflect on this decision because this is heartbreaking for Toby. Um, but nonetheless, I think maybe the most severe punishment should have been like a, you need to go resleeve this entire deck, and I'm not giving you a time extension if you don't have it resleeved by the next round. That should have been the extent of it, you know. Happy for Justin Brothers yeah. being able to squeak up into top eight because of it, but nonetheless, this is just this just seems very unfair. Yeah, like uh, so, so. Justin Brothers is a, a Tampa local, so I've I've been in many turns with tournaments with him. I actually don't know him super personally. The group I was with did. So while we were cubing on day two, he actually was coming up to us between every round and you know just chatting with us and getting really excited for his run and we were getting super excited for him and everything of course but um for toby i think it is very unfortunate um i just i really do think the call should have been like you know even just giving him a game one loss so that way at least in top eight he still has a chance to win two games back to back like resleeve game one loss go into top eight i feel like that would have been more reasonable of a call but at the same time you know, it's got to be very hard to be a judge in those shoes um, just for the pure sake of, like, making the correct call that's not going to backfire. Because <clears throat> imagine if he did make it through and potentially win, and then all of a sudden this gets leaked out on the internet, like, and then they go, why didn't he get DQ'd? So it is one of those things where it's, like, making the right call for the situation, for the stakes. Um, yeah, it's... 
I would hate to be in his shoes. I know I personally, because all the sleeve issues, was super paranoid through my five rounds. I actually literally checked my sleeves um, pretty much after every round ended. Um, just a quick glance, so just because I didn't want to get in trouble at NAIC for having messed up sleeves. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think maybe the only word of advice I can give Toby is don't use Dragon Shields. Um, but <laughs> I think uh, I think we've made our point on how we feel about this calling. Judges, please reflect on this and just understand, yes, the stakes are high, but that doesn't mean the punishment needs to be quite as severe. Uh, but we're going to direct ourselves into the news. We did get a sneak peek at the 2024 season. Uh, the first stop for regionals is going to be Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Very cool. Um it's an awesome destination. The Niners play there that weekend. It would be lovely for me to go there that very weekend and play, but it's just not feasible. Traveling this winter is going to be a little difficult for me. Um, following that, there's a special event in Barcelona. Then there's one, and I said this wrong the last time, but in Latin America, Curitiba. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say that, uh, but there's a regional there, and that's really cool. Uh, after that, they're back in Peoria, Illinois, then Sacramento, California, and that's right in my backyard. And I will be in Seattle that weekend. And again, heartbreaking circumstance, but I'm happy to be in Seattle during that time. Just wish I could be in two places at once. After that, there is a regional in Lille. And following that week, we have a regional in Toronto, Canada. So it's going to be pretty busy from the beginning of September to the end of October. And let me tell you, I am excited for the next season to kind of uh, come back to back to back to back to back on weekends. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that um, I, I'm I'm super happy that they're starting to announce these things like early, especially so people can plan um, accordingly. Because I know sometimes last minute stuff can be very expensive. Um, it is wild that they are so close together. Um, you know, all the, the Pokemon, the, the event grinders out there that go to every single event are going to be very busy. Um, I'm hoping to potentially make some. Uh, i am got to obviously talk with the wife about that. And coming off of a long NAIC weekend away where, while my kid was actually ended up being sick, um, I'm going to wait a week or two before I talk to my wife yeah, about, n- about now, that. Now might not be the time or place. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I did happen to look up flights uh, today while I was at work uh, when I had some downtime, and Pittsburgh and Peoria are surprisingly actually very, in, like very, very affordable for me to fly to. Um, Pittsburgh, I'm kind of worried about the hotel Airbnb situation because of all the events going on in Pittsburgh that weekend. But um, other than that, I those are the two I would hope to be able to make. I um, some of our Discord members actually reached were asking about if I could make Sacramento, and I'm like. That's on the other side of the country for me. As much as I want to, that is that is a hard trip to make. I'm going to get up and close and personal to the mic for this one, but do you know how mad I would be if you made it to SAC the weekend I could not drive two and a half hours out of my front door to meet you in person? I would be very mad. I would just fly to where you're going to hang out at your Airbnb or whatever. Oh, yeah, in <laughs> Seattle? Yeah, that sounds great. No. <laughs> um, yeah, heartbroken. That would be so fun for me and my entire team here in uh, northern Nevada. So it kind of stinks that SAC is just not on my radar, but my friends should be there. And if uh, you know the rest of the podcast people meet up there too, that's also really cool. Uh, but I will find another event to go to probably just in February or March. Yeah, yeah, you'll get back into it. I know you will. Yeah. 
Uh, we don't have a listener question this week, sad face, but we do have the results from the NAIC fantasy draft that we did have in our Discord. Um, only four of us made it to that night, but I won't disclose the points, but I will disclose the teams. Um, Aaron's team, he had Tord Reklev, Pedro Torres, Reagan Retzloff, Grant Manley, Pedro Pertuzzi, and John Ang. Oscar's team had Azul GG, Piper Lapine, Isaiah Bradner, Ian Robb, which was super clutch, uh, Xander Perot, and Andrew Estrada. I drafted Mr. NAIC himself, uh, Stevan Ivanov, and Gustavo Wada, Alex Shemansky, United Wings master, um, Andrew Hedrick, Cal Connor, which was an incredible pick for me, and Zach Lesage, RC, drafted with his heart, and chose Henry Brand, Natalie Miller, um, Andres Cabal, former world champion, Justin Bakari, just to spite me, Caleb Gettimer, and Nick from Nightcard TCG, which I think is also a very solid pick. But I ended up winning. Um, we did have a tiebreaker deck uh, choice on here, and I did choose um, Arc Duraladon as one of my two decks as a tiebreaker. And it ended up being uh, almost a pretty good pick. So <laughs> I'm very proud of myself you know i'm glad we didn't put money on the line for this because i would have robbed you all blind uh but we are going to do this again <laughs> for worlds so uh if you want to be a part of the fantasy draft in the future just make sure you're uh, in our discord which is uh public for everybody so if you go to our twitter uh the link for the invite is there feel free to join it was a lot of fun and next time i am going to take your money <laughs> rob them all blind <laughs> that's what i'm saying uh, no, but it was cool. I really did enjoy drafting this. As we were drafting the teams, there was just like, there's not a player on these lists that is a bad pick. Like, you just can't. Anybody that couldn't have taken the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, <laughs> there's just, there's no way for you to draft incorrectly, and it just makes it really, really fun. Because obviously, like, when you're drafting, like, re- regular sports, there's players on other teams you don't like. But in our case, being a filthy casual that I am... I enjoy all of these players, so <laughs> it was a really, really good time. I'm just glad no one decided to try to like be the, the, the fun pick and pick me, because I would have disappointed everyone. If I had drafted you, I would have been in your ear saying, play faster. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I knew next time, as much as fast of a guardy player as I am, you just can't, can't fix your opponent sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, before we wrap up the show, we got a quick patreon discord update the webcam locals will resume on wednesday the 26th in the standard format at 6 p.m pacific standard time prizing is a hundred packs of live um a hundred packs of paldea evolved which can be redeemed on live sorry words are hard um so hopefully a bunch of people can make it to that one because it's going to be super fun and of course the dice are on the line every time we have these webcam locals so Join the Patreon, join the Discord, come and have a good time. Uh, with that being said, Justin, go ahead and plug the show. Yeah, before I do my plugs, I actually did want to give a shout-out. I meant to do it at the beginning of the pod, but people I ran into at NAIC, um, Nick from Nine Card, uh, Dre Oxus, uh, Justin Basil, uh, Riley Wren. Uh, I'm trying to think of everyone else. I, I ran into so many people. Um, thank you guys so much for coming up and saying hey. Um, I enjoyed talking with all you guys, um, and to the people like Vulcan Turtle, who we tried to meet up like three or four different times, and we kept being busy at the when the other one was free. Um, next time, I can't wait to meet up with you and hang out. Um, this this whole event was uh, such an amazing event, and 
Um, I wish you could have taken part of it or taken a part of it, Drew. Um, we'll have to get you in there next time because this was like out of all the events I've been to, this was just the one that blew my mind the most. Um, it was awesome, but um, but yeah, I just want to say shout out to everyone I met and um, oh yeah. I uh, can't forget Jake from Triple P Podcast as well because it was his first day too as well. So congrats on that, Jake. Um, but yeah, I will. Um, I just I can't wait to see you guys again and uh, hang out and we'll all grab a beer together or something like that or a soda for you, Drew. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and next NAIC, count me in. If it's not in Ohio, even better. But I I will do my best to be there next year. Sounds good. All right. With that, um, I'll go ahead and do the end of the uh, end of pod readings. Um, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, my handle is PokerBrewsTCG. And if you want to find me on Instagram, my handle is PokerBrews. Instagram is the easiest way to reach me. Uh, on both so- socials, you can find my Linktree account, where you can find the things like my TCG player affiliate link. If you use that link, any shopping you do directly supports the show and upcoming regionals expenses, all while co- costing you nothing extra. You can also find things like our PCS podcast official merchandise by Bonfire. That link is bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. And on to you, Drew. All right. If you want to find me on uh, social media, I'm mostly on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find me at Katana TCG. If you want to be a part of the discussion or hang out in the Discord, be a part of the webcam locals and so on and so forth, join the Patreon. We've got a bunch of cool perks for the bunch of different tiers. Um, it's a really good time. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash PCS podcast. And Justin, go ahead and sign us off. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.